Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Dom and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission to bring you conversations that are equal parts unapologetic, unqualified, and male-adjacent. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell. Uh, all men are unqualified and unapologetic, are they not? Mm. I don't think it's even male adjacent. I think we're mm. male embodied. There are going to be some amount of people who are going to hear you say that and they're going to be like, oh, that is misandry. I mean, if only I could be, a, if only I could be a, a mediocre white man, Sarah, <laughs> all I've ever wanted. Mm. Mm. Um, if only I had the confidence. What did they say? I've only had the confidence of a to mediocre. What does that man. mean? What I mean, are they that's, trying to say? It's such like, a men are 90, confident. It's such a nineties thing. I don't think that you can say that anymore. Mm. Why think, not? Like because like mediocre white men are the least confident people in society now. They don't have sex. They don't date. That's true. It's uh, they've been. It, it it has come true. The the mediocre white men idiom has just. It's it was like a vision board. Like they they said it enough times that it just became true. I think it's definitely true that mediocre, like, minorities, like, the more you fit into a special category, the more you can be, like, extremely mediocre, even worse than mediocre, but feel good about yourself anyway. I think mm. the reverse is definitely true now. Like, I mean, unquestionably true now. Wait, say more about that. What do you mean? I mean, not to... Okay, so I'm starting off on the wrong foot. Everyone's gonna, like... I've been dragged, like, all week for being... I know, you're, you're, you're on fire. Or whatever, but you're I guess... On, I, yeah. I mean, const it's, it's just always happening, so I can't complain. And, um, you know, I definitely deserve it to the extent that I jump into something that I know is gonna get me in trouble, probably. But, I, you know, I don't always know that it's gonna be as... um. That, that I'll say something that I think is very, very innocuous and it will make people very, very angry. Um, can you give an example just for our, I mean, for the few listeners we have that don't follow you on Twitter? Well, uh, I religiously, it was interesting. I, uh, so things that to me seem like facts, you know, like it seems like a, it's factually true that the West is a very like self critical society and it oh, is yeah. the, it is the most. I mean, even if you didn't agree that it's a very self-critical society, certainly it is the most self-critical society um, in the in the world without, you know, without anybody that comes close. Western like, democracies. Are you talking about Western the U.S. Yeah. specifically or like Western? The entire West. Yeah. I, okay. think the, I think it's true of the entire West to varying degrees. Some countries are worse than others, but it's true of the West. And there is there is nothing like it anywhere else in the world. This is a very, very uniquely Western thing, actually. Um and, you know, I say something like that and it's, I think it's, it, of, of course it's true. You have to, I mean, of course it's true. Um, and, and I think you can, you can feel that maybe it's not true if you just don't know anything else about the rest of the world and you presume China, you know, publishes the same kind of like. I know, but like, I mean, anything that's not a dictatorship would be, uh, would have more self-criticism, right? Like what are, what, what's anything the binary that's not here? Okay. I also think it's about, there's something about the culture. There's something about our culture that, and our place in the world as well. Like we are, we feel powerful. We feel as if, 
um, our power is unearned to some degree or a significant portion of our um, citizenry thinks that or mm. feels guilty well, about feels guilty about their yeah. privilege, you know? And so the, the way to handle that privilege uh, or the way to fa- feel comfortable um, with their privilege is to denounce it while still enjoying it, you know? <laughs> and so you get to say um, the West is actually horrible and look at all the horrible things we're doing while you live in America safe and sound with all these wonderful things. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's a little bit that the self-flagellation is definitely self-serving. You know, there, there's definitely something about it that is um, uniquely Western in that. Well, that degree. It's, it's, a lu- not- it's a luxury uh, habit, right? It's a because if you have the luxury of self-flagellating, then that means nobody else is flogging you. Right. right? And so you, you have to do it yourself. It is true. You're, you're right that other democracies, especially the more open the democracy, the more likely you're going to see this kind of self-criticism or self-flagellation um, from at least a portion of the population. I, I know that some people were commenting and saying like, well, India has it too. Like India has a liberal class that is constantly going on about how horrible India is. Um, and I've seen it. I think that's true. I don't think it's anything near the extent uh, that you see it in Western democracies, um, which it, this seems to be the main thing that we talk about all the time, you know, <laughs> I, I think maybe what's happening is that it, it's a relatively new phenomenon because it, you know, not too long ago, everything was about patriotism. My right. country, wrong or right. There was a very vocal contingent, probably the majority that was all about American exceptionalism and we're better than everybody and wave the flag. So I think the people who are reacting to you probably feel like that's still the default. Yeah. Um, I, and it, also- it's maybe, and actually maybe, I mean, the, I, I was, you know, you've got to wonder like, so much of the, you know, we're, we're responding to like a very particular set of bubbles. We're responding to what people do on Twitter and what people do at universities. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of like people waving flags and drinking beer and, but the point the is that it's still by on the 4th of July. Even if you could say that the majority of the population doesn't engage in anything like this, it is still true that we engage, we engage in it to a degree that nobody else does. Um, that, that that it is not commonplace everywhere else. It just isn't. No, and it's no. just, I, I think you, what baffles me is that people will be like, no, actually, you know, Japan is also very self, I'm like, what? Like Japan is self-critical. Like let's, let's start with teaching about, you know, the, the atrocities Japan. I don't know. I don't know. In, I don't know what they teach like, in they Japanese. Don't, they don't. I, I, I mean, don't they, I have no they idea. Don't, they don't, they don't, um, they don't, teach about the the rape of nanking am i saying that right um but okay. well that's rape that's disturbing children <laughs> but there's you know I mean, it, 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 it's pretty common everywhere else to for, for a country to not be self-flagellating like that's just something that it is very western it's actually uniquely western the way that we do it and the extents that we the extent that we go to do it especially if you're an elitist, then the more you do it, the more you engage in it, actually, the higher status you are, the more yeah. intelligent you are, the more knowledgeable you are. When I think that if you actually know anything about history in the world, the more idiotic you, I mean, the more out of place you are with, with the reality of the world, you know, I think there's a huge difference between saying like America is a, is an honest country or let me, let, let's, let's try another one. That's not like as yeah, personal. Not sure. something. America is a free country. Let's say okay. if I say America is a free country, well, then you can compare me to an ideal and say, well, the ideal is perfect freedom. And here's how we fall short of this ideal. But then there's 
America is the freest society or one of the freest countries in the world. And I think that's a very different, that that's a different claim. And that one's obviously true. And in order to, to disagree with that, I think you just have to not know much about the rest of the world. You yeah. know, not have any kind of real experience. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. I think that most people all over the world know very little about the rest of the world. Especially Americans, though. I mean, well, this is one I, criticism that I would lodge on Americans. Well, Americans okay. don't know about I mean, the I guess rest it depends world. on who we're talking to. Yeah. Because, well, because America, like, sort of defines culture for yeah. much, much yeah. of the world. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's sort of like if you have the kind of leisure time to, uh, think about yourself to self interrogate. It's like kind of like going to therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Like the people mm-hmm. who go to therapy are the people yeah. who probably have the least amount of problems to some degree. Yeah. Um, um well, they can create it, it, it. The mind is interesting. It can create a problem. And I think we have done that in the Western, like global, like the, in the Western consciousness as well, is that we've created a problem, um, that and, and kind of a national crisis out of nothing. Uh, and now we have to deal with it. Now we well, have to what talk about mean? it all the but time. The in national real problems being what in in this case. I mean, I I I guess I'm really sore still from the George Floyd era, and I don't know if I'll ever get over it. I guess like it really was a defining political point, like like moment for me. I I think it was for a lot of people, but it just felt as if you know, at that time. I could talk about nothing else. I was not allowed to talk about anything else. I was not allowed to bring nuance into the discussion on any level. And I felt um, genuinely coerced by the people around me to say certain things, um, to, to bow down. Like, and I think I, I, I'm also coming at this from the perspective of somebody who was, you know, a, a leader at a nonprofit, you know, a progressive nonprofit yeah, yeah. association. And that was the worst place you could possibly be <laughs> at the time of the George Floyd protest. That was the worst position yeah. you could be in because you knew that there were a few people who were just, you know, they were looking for a fight. They wanted to start trouble. They, or they were just mentally unhinged and they took this opportunity to, accuse everyone of everything i was um you know i don't want to talk too much about this but uh, because i know this happened kind of happened to everyone so i don't want to make it too much about me and i don't definitely did not experience the worst possible um like a kind of mobbing at that time um even among the people i know and but i was accused of being a white supremacist because um uh you know in our private forums we wouldn't allow for anything to be discussed. Although, I mean, this is the, a rule your that we've always had within your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Within the organization with the, for the clients that we work with, the people that we work with um, and created support communities for it just, it wasn't a completely open discussion forum because that would just be very, very difficult for the moderating because it's team a workplace. Well, it, yeah. well, this was, so uh, this was like for the support community members. Yeah. So it wasn't really a workplace, but it was, no, but it, it it's just an organization with certain, rules with a certain rule. Well, yeah, it just couldn't be about every, Everything. And if it was about everything, it would be it would it would place too much um, uh, like it, it, the burden would be too great on the people who are moderating um, to, to let this be about anything all the time. Um, so we tried to keep things focused and we just uh, if something was off topic, we would flag it and remove it. At this time, though, with the George Floyd protests, uh, people felt as if this rule needed to be broken. This rule that we had always had and enforced yeah. needed to be broken. Um, and because we would, you know, um, 
a few of you, a few of us in the leadership team said, no, we're not going to break it for this. Um, they, you know, then we're, we're white supremacists. Yeah. Uh, we are being funded by who knows white supremacists. Probably oh. we um, are. I am. I personally, me, I was accused of being a white supremacist and somebody dug up a tweet from, from of, of mine from uh, like, at least a year before then it was the Covington Catholic mm-hmm. boys. I was defending mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, and then there was another tweet where uh, that school had been accused of participating in blackface, like Covington Catholic, because they, co- they, they like um, yeah, they painted their bodies all black. Yeah. The Covington Catholic thing. Um, I wrote about that. That was absolutely maddening. Yeah. And it was like, what was annoying about it is that it clearly wasn't, like clearly what they were doing was a sporting thing. Like it, 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 it had nothing to do with blackface, but everybody was accusing them. No, they had like war paint face. on. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah, a pep exactly. rally for their football team that happened to be, that was their colors. And I remember yeah. people doing stuff like that at football rallies, like, but usually with the, like the school colors, but maybe, you know, I, I heard that they're whiteouts and things like that. I've heard of that before. So it just seemed, it seemed crazy to me. That somebody was would look at that and think the first thing they would think was oh blackface, and so I defended those boys in a tweet and I just said this isn't blackface, and uh, the people that were trying to you know take me down at this um, at the post in the post Floyd you know mayhem were using this tweet as evidence that I support blackface, <laughs> and it was so outrageous to it's, me. It's just it was so disgusting and like just. They're just, I was like, oh, you're just lying and you're using the pain of others to, you know, further whatever, it's, like it's personal so vendetta that you have. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. And none of the people that were accusing me of this were black. <laughs> they were, not. they were, they, you know, they were South Asian. They were oh. women, um, which I think is maybe something. I mean, we've talked enough about it, but like there's, there's something about, uh, social justice that gives women permission to be extremely cruel um particularly to other women and i think that one of the problems is that we even use the word aggression like we like we use it incorrectly we use it to mean like dominance you know or the desire for Mm -hmm. dominance Mm -hmm. when that's not all that aggression is um and not all that it can be and in the case of so many of these people who use these social justice, you know, um, you know, moments of, of alarm uh, to their advantage, it feels to me that they're disproportionately, disproportionately women um, recognizing that maybe that this is, this is the, this is their way in, you know, this is their way to topple some big leader. And when she's taken down or he's taken down, they can now what rise in the ranks. I mean, what it feels to me to be very um, motivated by, you know, a a desire to get ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it maps on to the in-group out-group dynamics of female social hierarchies. Right. I mean, this is always how women have fought. They, you know, social exclusion is the way of metting out, punishment and well, charges of hate charges of you yeah. know not caring enough of harm you know right these, i know you know i know you're amp- i know i was accused of uh you know when i started writing about this stuff which is actually it's like i've been writing about this stuff for 30 years it's just sort of like in the last 10 years that people decided it was not acceptable i was always accused of uh, turning away from empathy mm. like i was just not yeah 
um, I had really and disappointed people what's by incredible turning away from empathy. Is it the same people who would the, the same people who would level that kind of charge at you are also the kinds of women who think that they're feminists? You know that that they they think that they are empowering other women. They care about empowering other women. At the same time, they will leverage very you know like very female specific you know ch- charges at other women yeah you know yeah and they don't seem to think that there's anything wrong with that or strange about it and yeah. i keep seeing it i keep seeing again and again i keep seeing it and it's um it was really bad with at the time of george floyd though it See, was it's really so, really bad. it's so funny because when that that was summer of 2020 by that time for me i started my my podcast, The Unspeakable, that summer, I had already been in this morass for several years. Like my book had come out at the, in 2019. So I had already, I was already in the thick of it. And I guess it's interesting because I felt that summer, I mean, obviously it was tumultuous and it was extremely um, upsetting what was going on. But I also was, I definitely had a sense that there was a community of people who were pushing back. Like there were back channels mm. that I was part of and aware of and I was having conversations on my own podcast and I was listening to conversations so I did I felt like there was um a kind of support network of people saying like what the hell is going on here I mean it was yeah. it was I mean, chaotic because it was extremely sure. crazy because it yeah. was it, it was a peak you know so it was a, one of those moments that peaks people because it is so bad, you know, because it was so extreme and the responses, especially within organizations, well, yeah, also, so many people who went through similar things. It, it was just like countless people um, oh, yeah. who were under fire for not wording their statement not the right the way. Not posting the black square. Just right. simply not yeah. posting the black square. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. have um, uh, Lincoln Jones, who's a choreographer that I interviewed. He um, is a director of a dance company that has nothing to do with politics. It's a modern dance company. Okay. It's a contemporary ballet company. And he didn't post a black square on their Instagram page because he said, this is not relevant to anything that we're doing. And he lost donors. He had dancers quitting um, because they were being harassed for even being part of the company. It was, it was just no, astonishing. I think it's so evil. I, I saw yeah. so much of it. And I think it's, I, w- I think it's fucking evil. It, it was an evil push to make everything about that one, you know, that I know that, that they are thinking about it when they're consumed in the tragedy of it or the horror of it and the madness that's flowing around everywhere. They think it must be done. Everyone must get on this page and tackle this, you know, really horrifying thing. Um, but it was, it was definitely an evil instinct. It was, you know, a mass delusion of sorts that just came on all at mm-hmm. once. Yeah. And it wasn't surprising to me, the people who were the most insane at that time, there were the people who I would expect to have completely lost it um, or to cynically abuse it. It was, it, it were, it was a usual suspects, I guess, from my experience. Um, uh, but it was, it was sad also to see the average liberal and progressive be cowed into silence or yeah. or to even be sympathetic to the people who were trying to make you know everything about race now everything about social justice because it had yeah. to be yeah um according to them and i think that, that it is such an evil instinct this this flattening of all progressive causes well, it's into so one cause. it's dehumanizing and it's racist I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I always, I, I felt this about the Me Too movement as well. It's like, you guys are, are fundamentally unfeminist the way you're yeah. carrying on. I mean, that's, I'm the, I'm the bigger feminist. I care about this. I'm upset about this because I am a feminist. 
Yeah. That was yeah. always my feeling. Anyway, well, speaking of, um, of, uh, people, uh, manip- using these manipulative tactics, um, there was an incredible story from the high school debate world this yeah, week, this past week that I know yeah. we wanted to, uh, to touch yeah, on. So there was, um, a video going around, um, and we'll post a link to it from, uh, a, a round of, the tournament of champions, which is a national high school debate, um, speech and debate tournament that's held at the university of Kentucky. And they have all kinds of different, um, uh, competitions, like, like policy debate, Lincoln Douglas debate, um, extemporous, extemporaneous speaking oratory, that kind of thing. Um, and there was a video that was going around of what was, I think, the po- uh, a policy debate round. So this was at the quarters, and this this event, this tournament, tournament of champions, like it is a a tough thing to get into. This is national. You have to get, like, I mean, this is like when you go. Say, it's like a kind. This, of, it's one of the national right. tournaments, right? So and, you were a debater. We should just say you you you're not just talking out of your ass here. You were I a mean, high school debater. I mean, I'm so, I, I, I know. Well, uh, as I can do both. I mean, uh, please. I know. I, I can both, <laughs> but I was also yeah, and I was on. I was not on the debate team, but I was on the speech team, and so we went around with the debaters, and I competed in uh, oratory events. So shocking. I know people yeah. find that shocking. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but yeah. So so, but was this like a Zoom event? Because the video that we saw, they were uh, on Zoom Zoom like squares. Yeah. So I were they not so, actually how there? Frustrating. Yeah. It seems yeah. I like don't they know. weren't actually. They weren't participating in uh, uh, after all that. Yeah, I know. But we should say yeah. It, this was it. This was in Kentucky, but this is like a hard thing to get to, and it's a big deal. It's it's like it's like your football team, you know, going to state or something like that, or even yeah, yeah, even yeah. So regionals or nationals, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's multiple kind of like tournament, um, I guess uh, uh, there are multiple kind of tournament tournaments that are held in the big leagues that hold different kinds of tournaments. This is one of the you know it's one of the uh, major ones, and so this this. Um, debate crew, these debate teams were presumably good debaters. <laughs> they're, they're, yes, these were um, the cream of the crop, right? Sort of. Um, and we'll play, let's play a little bit of a, let's play the clip, um, itself so people can hear it because it's just, it's something you gotta like actually hear to believe. They first read a diss out about how we shouldn't assume that JJ's white or call him white. We never called JJ white. We said Dalton's whiteness. They have a white debater on their team, which inherently means they have more whiteness than us. We obviously know that JJ's not white. It's pretty obvious. Go down onto our pick. We give you three words why we subsume all of their protests and affirm their protests. In a pick, what it means is you are furthering their cause just minus the whiteness. As Rebecca is a vehicle for this movement, we say whiteness means really bad for representation and queer people, and it's a bad form of furthering this protest. The best way to further the protest is to vote for our pick and to affirm it, but minus the whiteness. They say that we're taking over JJ's labor, but first, this is a new response. If they read this response before, we probably would have read a cap pay about how you can't like use labor across identity lines. That's a really bad thing to do. Second, how picks work is you affirm their protest. We're not taking over their labor. It's just a technicality of debate. Then they say that it's trans exclusion. No, couple responses that they dropped from Sanji. One, our constructive speech was about personal experiences, about our identity. We are not comfortable discussing our sexuality on a live stream with 130 people second we say that like um them telling us how we should represent our advocacy feeds into our link about racism because a white person and someone on a white team should never be telling two women of color how they should be furthering their advocacy that's an independent link into our whiteness argument that gets dropped you can drop them right now they say we should have read things about the about the hall of shame it's an identity k we 
are not trans debaters. We don't, don't want to do that. Also, they don't put anything about women of color or queer women of color in their case, which means they also link it to the exclusion. There's no independent offense off of this. Then at the bottom, all these stuff about the Louisville Project, their racist rhetoric and using the black labor as a way to further their advocacy is inherently racist as an independent reason to drop them. They say JJ wrote the argument, but no, Rebecca is a vehicle of the movement. You should never use a white person who is saying the Louisville Project and using it as an example of their advocacy in order to further a movement. Then using black suffering to advance at the tournament is just a bad thing to do. Then they say that, oh, um, that, that it's just an example. A white person just shouldn't use a black person's suffering as an example of their advocacy. That's inherently a racist thing to do. And it's too late to respond to this argument in final focus. And it's the largest dropped argument. There's also another dropped argument that links into racism about how they're telling us how to represent our advocacy. Is this how your debates went? This is in not how school? my debate went. This is not what I did. This is policy. Policy sucks. And this is one of the reasons policy sucks. So one thing is like to, to defend the young woman who is screaming incoherently. She's actually not being incoherent. Like ultimately her arguments are bad. Obviously we'll talk about why that is, but she's using a lot of terminology that debaters understand. Uh, and it is not nonsense. It is just like shortcuts to get to, you know, like, yeah. The and this way of, of speaking, argument. this way of speaking is actually a technique. So she is kind of sort of spreading. This is not actually full on spreading. Spreading is very, very fast. Um, spreading is a kind of, uh, what did you say that it was a, a it's a portmanteau of uh, speed, reading. speed speading and reading it's yeah, kind well, of like well, they're not really speak. reading though no they're, they're, they're not, not reading. Really reading i don't know where the it's i don't know where the term spreading i mean i guess it comes from that but like it does it really like you talk it sounds like you're listening to something at, on 3x or, yeah. or more that's yeah it almost sounds like an auctioneer like yeah. an old-fashioned auctioneer. It's we yes, and this is actually she's not going that fast. No, um, she's not doing a very. Good she's not. Job. She's not doing a good job. Like right. actual spreading, I cannot understand it. That's how bad it would get. But I never did policy debate, thankfully, because I did not enjoy spreading, and also I don't enjoy. And the it. idea with spreading is that you have so many points to make, and right. that you you are supposed to actually rebut every single point that your opponent made, and in order to cram that all in into the allotted time, you have to talk like really right 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 so the way that these debate tournaments you know work is that you have your opening statement like opening case and you make a bunch of arguments in that case and the your opponents have to respond in one way or another to every single one like they have to push back on every single one of your separate arguments or it is automatically considered dropped which is to say like the person who who um uh, with the last man speaking wins automatically with that argument. So it, over time, spreading developed as a common way to just get more and more arguments in, except now you're just like racing against, like, it, it's just this insane thing. She's not spread. She's not fully spreading. Spreading is <laughs> crazy. And people should look it up if they this want to take it to out see of context. What it's like. This is not, I can actually understand good. her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can actually understand, understand what she's trying to say, but I, I also dislike the way that she's, she is kind of like yelling a little bit. Some people just would get really hyped up as they're giving their their speeches and they would start talking yeah, louder and louder and kind breathing. of like screaming. She needs to do some yeah. breathing. This is a policy exercises. thing. I, I did Lincoln-Douglas debate, which is like, uh, like values debate. It's a lot more like philosophical or it's supposed to be. And the questions are like more of what should we do versus like, you know, can we do this? Policy ones are very specific, um, but it's supposed to be the case that Lincoln Douglas is about values 
Mm-hmm. Um, so should we grant, you know, uh, like, is it, uh, you know, morally justified to kill somebody in self-defense? That kind of thing. Like that would be, that would be a question. I competed in original oratory. So I would write like a 10 minute speech about some big, like socio cultural political topic and memorize it and then go give it in the competition. And I can't believe I did that now. Like I yeah, can't believe I ever, more, that's, me- that's a, a lot, lot of memorization. Yeah. And I don't know, but I was like in plays and stuff and like theater. So I would memorize stuff, but it's weird how as a kid, stuff like that comes much more easily or you're just not afraid of it. Like mm. I, I think I, it's not that I couldn't do it now. I just think I would be so nervous. It's like if you're asked to give a TED talk, I think it's like absurd, like that people, people have to do that. I think it's absurd that you have to, that you have to memorize. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and the key to it is that you really want to just have a good enough idea of what you're saying that you can ad lib if you go blank, of course, you know, but the the thing is like with my, with my speeches, like I always struggle with this when I would, when I give real, like, IRL like real speeches mm-hmm. like I write down everything word for word I have to because if I just give the if I just have an outline my brain is going to go somewhere else you know it's going to take that t- I'm going to I'm I'm thinking as I'm saying it and I'm going to head off into a different direction and my outline is not going to keep me on track because I can't control what my brain is doing <laughs> like you know if I if I have an argument one argument that I want to follow I have to have it written down word for word and then you memorize and then i have actually, to read and you no, i have to read it, it. i have to oh, read it yeah, i can't see? memorize it either because yeah. then i'm focusing on i that, that i'm not focused that i'm just focusing on remembering what i said I it's like a performance it's you like have to act. just know what you're saying though i think ultimately you need to just get to so but you just have to know what i'm saying but it takes a really long time no it's like i don't i don't think i can do it i don't think i can ever do well, it well you can't think it's always no no because i mean this is because yeah i'm thinking as i'm saying it you know so if i have five arguments in, ahead of in front of me it is impossible for me not to spiral off into a tangent when I'm thinking about the topic and it, it'll be different every time because I'm, you know, different connections are being right. made at, yeah. at, at, at every time or I deliver it slightly differently. So my next thought is something different and I head off into a different direction. I, I can't, know. I can't control this, but it might be, maybe this is something to do with the internal narration thing and why oh, and how I don't have model. it. But I mean, I think you have to, my problem is like, if I am speaking like about something that I've talked about a lot like suddenly I'll start to make a point and I'll think, did I just say this five minutes ago or did I say it yesterday when I was Mm. doing a talk? Like, and that's a very common and that's terrifying. It's like suddenly, or or like sometimes I have this thing when I'm public speaking is like, I'll become afraid that I have two different shoes on. (laughs) Like, and it'll just completely take over like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What if somehow I walked out of the house with two different shoes on Anyway, but okay, but back to this debate, what's really bothersome about it is that the adults have like let this go on. Right, right. So we, we 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 we've walked away from like the main point yeah. of even sh- of even listening to this debate, which is that this is an insane argument that this young woman is bringing up. She's bringing up the race of her um uh the, the team that she is opposing uh, and opponent. you guys can't, you know, you guys can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but the other team has one white girl on it it appears to be a girl is it but um, more whiteness so. on the team more whiteness so. they have more whiteness on the team than their team and it, it is 
I would think it would go the other way, frankly. I I mean, the white, look, if you're going to have white people and South Asians on the teams, the white person is going to drag it down. Yeah. Let's be honest. True. I mean, the other team is one that should have been complaining. I, the best teams that I've seen are actually South Asian, Asian combo. For sure. That's a great, that's a great combo. Um, anyway, but I, I, I I was just astonished to hear the arguments that, you know, and to hear it delivered in this debate style that I'm familiar with, like these very social justice insane arguments delivered in this style. Um, and this poor little white kid who, whose race is being brought up into this as, you know, part of the opposing side's argumentation. It's incredible. They are of a white debater on their team, which inherently means they have more whiteness than us. That's incredible. Like, what what does that even mean? What are you talking about? I, you know, um, somebody else uh, posted. Uh, so this is uh, James Fishback. He's the one who posted about this. He is a founder of Incubate Debate, which uh, I've... <laughs> so he's just you know, using this to further his own... It's a, it's, I guess, a a, a startup debate league where he's trying (laughs) to make like a true, like a tournament that is, you know, uh, legitimate, I guess. (laughs) But um, I never, I, I, they have a website where they just talk about their approach and, and, and what they do. I'm a little bit, um, you know, whatever, like, let's move on. We can talk about the different formats at some point, but it, what's incredible about this is that the judges also um, in the, in it. So there's three judges listening in. Um, and then in their responses, like after the debate, they're give the judges are giving their, um, their rulings, I guess. What are they called? Not rulings. I forget. They're uh, well, they, do they give points? I mean, yeah, they're, they eva- they're evaluations, yeah. right? They're yeah, giving they're, their yeah. evaluations. So they're talking about, you know, this one supports, uh, you know, one judge says, keep trying to do the work of liberation because it's important and you guys can and will make change. Another judge, I want to say, like, huge respect to both teams for reading these arguments. Um, Another judge, both should be proud of yourself for the work that you're doing. I mean, it's... Okay, so what? this has nothing to do with the substance of an no, argument. No, it's the, they have are these, the right, are these you have the right values. Like 25 kids. years old. Are these just like very young? They seem like very young. They seem like kids, to be honest. These See, judges. there's no adults in the room. So often judges are college kids. Um, like not no. all the time, but especially if it's held at a university. So if it's a high school debate, um, tournament, then the people who are going to be judging are going to be college students, but they're not random college students. They're usually debaters, like former debaters. debaters. Yeah. Um, which is actually ideal. Um, you actually, that, that was always my favorite type of judge. It, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, but they, they all look young enough for that to be the case. Or you get like a, a debate coach, um, to be your judge. And that's also a really, really yeah. good, um, kind of judge. But I think that it, it, there's something about, how i mean how deep the rot has gone that all the judges seem to be in agreement as well that this was like a proper way to oh, conduct yeah. a debate um i mean it it is it i is mean sick. these people it are training to be lawyers is, is it is it any surprise that we're having these meltdowns in law schools i mean debate really trains you to be a lawyer trial it, lawyer it trains to it trains I, you I to mean, be many things an but, intellectual i think i mean yeah some people went into law but a lot of kids just went into intellectual fields whatever that could be um and uh, it, there are there are certainly people who are going to be influential you know it, it, a lot of legislators 
Like Hillary Clinton was on her debate team. That's, you know, that's the kind of person. Back in the day when Back there was the actual day. debate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there's sure a certain kind really of person who, yeah. who gets attracted to this kind of thing. And a yes. lot of those, those people end up in intellectual fields. Um, they're not always like trial lawyers, but they are necessarily people who are interested in uh, ideas yeah. Um. And that 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 being their skill is learning a kind of idea, or you know, and decoupling it from your emotion. I mean, the idea, the whole idea is you're supposed to be able to argue each side, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the the really the the essence of debate is to learn how to separate an intellectual concept from your emotional experience of it. And um, and your identity. And Come on, it's, yeah, abs- no, it's, it's, it's it's crazy it's that they're using their identity. Um, as an argument itself, I, I it's just um, I know very very um, sad to see. It's very yeah. very sad to see. I thought I mean this would this to me it's like um, you know when you start to see people talking about math being racist, you know, and how we need to introduce you know anti racism into mathematics curriculums. That that's kind of a you know okay it's all over now. Like it's all they've they've. I always knew they were winning, but now they've won. Like we know that they've won and this is their victory lap that they take on the the kinds of fields and activities where you're supposed to be doing the exact opposite. Right. um, Of social justice activism. Um, Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. um, I love debate. I love debate. I'm sure you do. I wanted to do more of it. I mean, not this kind of like screaming kind of debate. I did not do this. <laughs> I gave like a legitimate talk. Um, but it was it was wonderful to be able to talk about like moral issues and um, and think critically about real life. You know, like something that could actually become uh, something you have to vote on, maybe you know, or it becomes an issue in your own life. And now you have yeah. to apply this kind of critical thinking to it. You have to think about both sides of the argument. It's a wonderful practice, and it's so sad to see it go down this whole but I, but I guess so what happens if you're a white kid in the debate team now you're just going to lose automatically like or you're just going to struggle because you're the bad guy in every room all the time like is i don't i think they should have i think debates should be they should have a separate white well they should be girl well, they should have white okay they should have whites versus everybody else for debates uh-huh. and also girls they should divide it by sex so then what would happen if like you know I mean, complaining that a white person is on the is, is the on the opposite team is sort of like complaining that a trans identified male is on a girls team, right? I mean, we could we could uh, possibly tease that out. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's there, not the same, but I, I mean, it is. I, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a conversation for another time. I'm I'm also interested in this idea of like chess. Um, this is a totally different topic, but let's put a pin in that. Like who can play chess and whose minds. I mean, it's really what they're saying is that like, are they saying that the, the white person is just inherently a higher, more intelligent or just sort of like more confident? Because no, they're saying I, the white I, person can't use a certain argument because they're white. I see. Um, and I see, the, right. the, the, so all they're, they're using di- a so they're just twisting. Okay. So they're just weaponizing a, that. So there's no yeah. logic at all. Okay. No, yeah. no, there's no logic. All right. Um, well, Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So speaking of no logic, there was a dust up, um, in, in my world, uh, this, this past week in the, in the literary world. Uh, so you'll, you'll appreciate this on, on several levels. Um, so there was a, 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 a young writer 
named Kate Broad or Kate Broad. Um, I think she, she's like a book coach and an editor and she's very, she's involved in the publishing world. Um, I think she's published another, a number of other books sort of under a different name maybe. And so she announced that she had a, a novel coming out and it was the first novel under her own name. She said, um, there are no words for how it feels to announce this. She linked to the, the publisher's marketplace, you know, announcement of the book. She says, it's my dream since I was six. I couldn't have, have had a better teen than et cetera, et cetera. And then she goes on to name her editors and such at Macmillan. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the book is about because uh, these tweets have since been deleted for reasons I'm about to explain, but I think it has to do with, there is, she's a white author. I think this has, there was a slight racial element because it had to do with a, like a young person, um, like having a black nanny or somebody in her life that she had sort of romantic feelings for or something like this. It was a little complicated anyway. So, and this author uh, had gone to Wellesley College for what it's worth. Okay. So she makes this lovely announcement. Um, and then very quickly after we get another tweet by somebody named Anne Zhao. So Z-H-A-O, uh, who is also an author. And she says, as a Wellesley student, and a Macmillan author, I'm troubled by the concept of this book that was written and edited by Wellesley alums and published by an imprint of my publisher. Pretty sure we agreed a while ago that white people shouldn't write plots centered on racism and BIPOC trauma. Okay. Um, and immediately, uh, Kate Broad, um, like deletes the tweet. Uh, it, this is just totally memory holds. Um, and a minor, uh, a, a, a minor battle breaks out, uh, between these, these two authors. Now I should say, Anne Zhao, first of all, she is a student at Wellesley currently and seems to be publishing a book, uh, which oh, surprising. must make her really popular in creative writing class. Um, she's a it linguistics. Probably does actually. You know, well, like the, the I don't know, but okay. So I just want to um, I just want to tell you a little bit about Anne Anne Zhao. First of all, she like does it all. She's a linguistics major. She does every activity. Like incredibly, incredibly high achieving person. Um, but this is the her 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 book is called Dear Wendy. Okay. Um, so this is the description of her book. Sophie and Joe, two aromantic and asexual students at Wellesley College, engage in an online feud while unknowingly becoming friends in real life. Um, okay, Sophie, this is the character, Sophie Chi, C-H-I, is in her first year at Wellesley's, at Wellesley College, despite her parents' plea that she attend a real university rather than a liberal arts school, and has long accepted her aromantic and asexual Aroace, this is in parentheses, A-R-O-A-C-E. I think maybe that's the umbrella term for aromantic asexual. Okay, she's long accepted those identities. She knows she'll never fall in love herself, but she enjoys running an Instagram account that offers relationship advice to students at Wellesley. No one except her roommate can know that she's behind the incredibly popular Dear Wendy account. When Joanna Joe Efron, also a first year A Rose student at Wellesley, created their Sincerely Wanda account, 
This is the story, by the way, of the book. It wasn't at all meant to take off or be taken seriously, not like Wendy's. But now that they might have a rivalry of, but but now they might have a rivalry of sorts with Wendy's account. Oops! As if Joe's not busy enough, having existential crises over gender, if she'll ever be truly loved, and whether her new friends will find the one and forget her. While tensions are rising online, Sophie and Joe grow closer in real life, especially when they realize that they're shared. A Rose, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this term. A Rose, don't be sorry. They deserve identity. Okay. We should, we should, I'm sorry should if I, I aggressively mispronounce it's a microaggression to not pronounce a Rose properly. Uh, once they realize that they share this identity, they start a campus organization for other a spec students, a spec. Will their friendship survive if they learn just who's behind the Wendy and Wanda accounts? Exploring A-Spec Identities, College Life, and more. This platonic comedy, perfect for fans of another book I haven't heard about, is ultimately a love story about two people who are not and will not be in love. Oh, no. Okay. Wow. I this is. I will say this. Does um, that sound like is, something? <laughs> go ahead. Go it's ahead, go a ahead. very clever plot. Uh, and the reason is that it actually is, uh, she didn't make it up. This is a very classic kind of trope. Uh, and it was, I mean, the shop around the corner was, this is the story of that famous, uh, I think it was a play and then a movie, the shop around the corner about sort of two competing shop owners. And then Nora Ephron borrowed it for you have mail. It's also the story of the, of the movie you have mail with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. But Nora Ephron was very clear about the fact that she had borrowed from that. It's um, not, it's, I feel like I've seen ghosts of the, this story has, yeah, been, I mean, there's only so many know, stories. I again. mean, look, it, it could be Hamlet. It could be, you know, you've got mail, oh whatever. God. I mean, it's just, yeah, but it's it's just you've got mail, but like for but for a roast for a roast a, ro- a roast. Oh um, no creativity. What's the point ha- of creative writing class? Well, if I do you can't think it's a clever. Create? Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm kind of not surprised that. I mean, it's a very clever, like the, the two competing underground, uh, like anonymous Instagram advice accounts. That that that's a clever plot, and I can see why an editor would want that. Um. But like, you have to wonder what went in, what, what were the marketing meetings? Like, oh, like we really need more aromantic, asexual representation, uh, in this publishing house. So we're going to publish this Wellesley undergrad. Um, I guess a spec is that the spectra, asexual spectrum? You're asking um, the wrong people. Sarah, I, come on. You should know I, this. I, I genuinely, I can, I think this is so idiotic. I cannot believe we're taking this seriously. I cannot believe this woman's getting published. This whole thing is stupid. The cl- plot is not clever. It is not interesting. It is badly written. What is happening to the world? Because she, because why do we have student... to cater to these morons who are not creative and they don't have they don't have a creative bone in their body? This this whole, well, she the, might the have a little gave me a headache. She okay, but like she, the, what's so disgusting about this is that she used this opportunity. To, to, she she took down this other author yeah as a way of promoting her own book i mean it is an instinct that is so grotesque right and right, but- so so unsportsmanlike i can't even I, it's it's makes me really sad frankly I mean, and she's going, oh, well, and the, these are my Wellesley. I guess they're all connected with Wellesley and they're all connected with the same publisher. 
And instead of having a kind of camaraderie around that or just kind of, you know, dignity and institutional affiliation, she just like sticks the knife in. Um, I mean, you know, her, her, her Twitter handle is, uh, you know, people change the names of their, of their, Twitter, you know, so her Twitter handle is Ann Zhao says pre-order Dear Wendy. Like that, that's her tw- so her I, Twitter name. Yeah. I think um, it, it goes back a little bit to what we were mentioning earlier, which is that there's it just feels as if social justice is a way for you know sociopathic women to compete with largely other women, you know, and and if you are a woman, you are a minority, you have a special status, you get a leg up in this. And, and you were, you were a fool, I guess, to not use this, you know, dagger to your advantage. Yeah, you use all tools at hand. To yeah. eliminate everyone around you. I mean, unsportsmanlike is a great way to put it. And I think that, I, I think these people don't know what, uh, they don't even recognize that they are competing. I think they are, they are so gaslit. They're so like, you know, swimming in this like insanity 24 seven. And you can tell by the way that she writes and what she chooses to write about how limited her worldview is um, that, that she doesn't recognize that what she's doing is really classic, you know, classic stabbing your enemy, uh, you know, before the big match. Yeah. It kind of behavior. It is. It's, it's Tanya Harding. It's Tanya uh, Harding, uh, right? Like kneecapping uh, Nancy Kerrigan. That's yeah. what this is. <laughs> and and we um, have to pretend like it's something else. That's what's outrageous to me. We have to pretend like it's this noble thing with her standing up for my, she's standing up for minorities and social justice. No, she's not. This is, well, she, I no, love also not. like, she's a jealous, hateful woman who's attacking another woman um, because she doesn't like that they're uh, rivals and doesn't want to have to compete with her. And this is an easier way to win than to, you know, and get, gain the full attentions of the publishing house, I suppose. Um, well, also, then- it's her own publishing house. It, it's such a bad play on so many levels. I mean, you know, what what gets me is like, I thought we agreed. I thought we agreed we. that white women were not to to uh, represent BIPOC trauma. Like, who is we? We agree. Like, we agreed in in your like writing, you know, like text thread in your creative writing Tumblr group. I, it's it's it is really it's just like embarrassing but you know and the other thing is it, it appears that kate broad or broad you know was very social justice minded i mean this is a f- circular firing squad like you know they were both trafficking in this stuff mm-hmm. um so i mean that's the thing is if you are playing this game you are leaving yourself wide open to this kind of thing happening this happens all the time especially in like the young adult literary world this is just always going on because they're all playing this game so if you just keep yourself out of it they they won't they'll leave you but you can't you i mean maybe you can keep yourself out of it it is it is hard i think if you're in any space that is that leans progressive it is very very hard to avoid this unless you are the you are willing to be the aggressor and say this is nonsense this is a Terror, this is an attack on me, you know, and to say what I what I had just said about this woman that she is uns- unsportsmanlike, she doesn't have talent, she's worried about my talent, uh, and she's taking me down in a very nasty way, and I reject all the, you know. So I I I, I had another a, a conversation um, recently. Um, you know, I went to a, a conference, and I don't want to. 
I don't want to name the conference because it was really, really great conference. And um, there was um, a, an award given out at the end for, um, for, for this like university um, administrator who was standing up for the right of, you know, free expression on um, uh, uh, f for his colleagues. And, you know, he gave a wonderful speech. Um, but even in that speech, he, he said something about how, well, we, but we weren't, I know I was defending, all, you know, I know that we weren't, you know, bigots, you know, th there was a specific kind of bigotry involved, but you know, he, that, that's what he said. He said, I know that we're not, I mean, they were accusing us of all this. And I know for a fact that that's not what this is, but look, the problem is, is that we are, the problem is that we are, we are um, acquiescing to the idea that if someone can leverage that charge at you of bigotry, of bad intentions, then that, that that is, you know, valid critique. And now you have to, you know, uh, shut down your, you know, whatever it is that the activity that you're doing, even if it is true, right? It used to be that what mattered is whether or not it is true, whether or not it is good, whether, yeah. you know, now it's, is it conforming to a certain set of values? And how well is it conforming to those values? I think what makes liberals will, will openly say, you know, liberals will openly say, I don't, like wokeism, this arrow, ace romantic, like all this stuff. Like it's obviously nonsense. And I don't believe in any of that, but they will, you know, even the most staunch sort of civil libertarianish among them will have a hard time saying that you should not be able to shut down my speech with a criticism of bigotry. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 yeah, that in it, itself. I mean, it, it should just be irrelevant. Like so, it should be ignored. Like I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that and move well, I mean, on. what happened with David Shore, right? Like I mean, what happened yeah. with, you know, it, what happened with people who talk about uh, statistics and, you know, race of, you know, of, of any kind, crime and race, God forbid, you know. We should say who David Shore is. I mean, this is one of the m most grotesque examples of cancellation I, that I think we have so far. So he was a data scientist who, was it during George Floyd's summer? Was that summer, right? It was around this time, yeah. Did he, and he, all he did was like, he he did a tweet or he just linked to some kind of study um saying that it was it was just like a very anodyne kind of finding about um race bias and it was nothing it was like an absolute nothing burger and he was fired from his job yeah and he was like a you know a liberal or whatever but the the point is is that he said the he it doesn't matter what if whether what he said it was true. It doesn't actually matter even yeah. what his you know it, 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 what his intentions were in this case, so long as it could be conceived of being something that furthers the wrong cause. It, it can be it weaponized. Worth... They're terrified of the other side getting a hold of something. I hear that a lot. Why are you talking about this? Even even though you're right, even if you're right, it doesn't matter because you're giving ammunition to the other side. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. my feeling is like, why are you being so stupid? Why are you latching onto this nonsense? Because all you're doing is giving ammunition to the other side. <laughs> like, a, it goes a, both ways. Bizarre, right. It does. And, and what a bizarre way of putting it too, you know, especially for somebody who seems to care about what truth is, you know, like yeah. they have already decided who the right team is. It doesn't matter what the right team is saying or what, you know, we shouldn't be investigating, critically investigating our own side, because if we were to do that, that might give the other side ammo. Well, also, but, like, yeah, but then I'm you risking... deciding that there are sides. Right. Here. Like a lot <laughs> and... of this stuff is a, a political, like it doesn't have anything to do with left or right. It really shouldn't.
And this is how we determine what the right side is, right? Like you very much could be the bad guys, you know, that, 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 uh, uh, what is it? It's a little clip from a show from a British show where they're all Nazis. Like it's like kind of a clip show and they're all, uh, in like these Nazi uniforms and one guy looks at the other guy and he's like, are we the baddies? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, how do we know we're not the baddies unless we are able to look into the, the truth of what we're talking about, whether it's even meaningful, whether these are the, even values worth supporting and, to, and, and why. Um, but these are just not conversations that a lot of people are, are, are willing I to know. have. I mean, um, the, the women's college aspect is interesting here. I think Jonathan Haidt recently said something. Um, I mean, he's just talking about new findings about, um, just the, 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 the extent of the groupthink in a lot of these institutions. And he was saying that women's colleges are absolutely the worst. I mean, mm. he is now cautioning mm. people against sending their daughters to women's colleges. And it just kind of broke my heart because I think that women's colleges used to be quite the opposite. Um, it's where you went if you were serious. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the different, uh, the, the ex- a totally different kind of person is selecting into those colleges now. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a person who before it was, I want to do real work and men are not going to allow me to do real work or whatever, like the, yeah, the or stereotypes just, against me exactly. or, or yeah. sex, whatever, you know, like w- there are things that are not going to allow me to do it. So I want to be in an environment where I can pursue, um, you know, rigor, truth, like fully. And now they're definitely where the most, you know, blue haired of, of young women go. Yeah. And there's this kind of trauma premise. Like, I think that there's a sense that like, oh, if I have trauma, I'm going to go to a women's college because it's going to be safe there. And so then you're over indexing for a lot of these like very fragile types. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that was part of. And it John sounds Hyde's like a point. nightmare. Honestly, you could not. You you could not pay me to go to a women's college. You could not pay me to spend time with those kinds of people. I would I would pay to not spend time with them. Well, you, I would pay women's college tuition to not have to go to just a not college. have to ever even go drive by like Northampton, Mass. You're just going to do like a huge There's so drive, much like 300 miles out of your way. You should have gone to a men's college. I think I would have been great at a yeah. men's college. I think I would yeah. have you know thrived slash been groped and harassed but yeah you know that's just what you gotta do you would have you would have been that's the price intellectually raped every day but Mm. i i mean i say that's like it's a negative thing i mean i mean it's be good yeah i mean that's how you asking for it that's how you learn that's why i was there learning (laughs) lessons but i i i think it it was interesting because people were I, i asked this question um a couple of times to to on on Twitter about whether people are interested in in single sex schools, I do think that for boys that's the way to go. Um, oh, you do? You know, a single sex still. School. So you think that's you don't think there's like a Lord of the Flies thing that's you don't think that there's an analogous dysfunction with all male environments to uh, the dysfunction of all female spaces? No. Okay. No. I don't you know. Think so? I'm honestly, I don't, so? I don't know. I mean, I really, uh, why might, why might you say, I so? mean, I don't know. There might be, I mean, like fraternity houses and, um, places where, I mean, un, unregulated, you know, male behavior that is unchecked by the presence of females, uh, can Would go be, off the rails. What, 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 what makes you think that? I don't know. I'm just, uh, isn't that what the social 
psychologists tell us. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know if it's true at all. Um, so so it's interesting. The, the Lord of the Flies was used to be my favorite book. And I think it might still be my favorite book. It was just a great, I loved it. I loved everything about it. There was a lot of symbolism. There was a lot of like, like vicious, you know, competition. And it was, it was, it was like a brutal look at human nature. Um, And all the more shocking because it's young boys who are, you know, shipwrecked on on an island. Um, So I, I found out recently, and this is what's changed you know this is what makes me think that it maybe it, sh- it shouldn't be my favorite book um because it turns out that a group of schoolboys had been marooned on an island in like 19 like 60 like in the 60s in the mid 60s and it was not at all what happened in the book they were like working well together they were helping each other like it, it, they were having fun, you know, and, but also managing to survive. And it was a real like camaraderie, like great. It was, it was, it was a great situation actually. But in the 60s, well, Lord of the Fly came out, came Lord of the Flies came out in the fifties. Right. I mean, you think is it was around, yeah, it came out in William Golding. I think it came out in, in the fifties. So, I mean, whatever, maybe this shipwreck was, I don't know, but look, there's creative license. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to I don't think it was based. <laughs> Are you saying no. that maybe they read the Lord of Fl- the Flies and then the ki- in the fifties and the kids got shipwrecked in the sixties and they, you know, learned their lesson. Well, no, I, I think that my, my p- part of why I like the book so much is because I thought it, it spoke to something true. And if this situation actually happened, like a very, like maybe like, like exactly that kind of situation happened and it did not at all play out in that way, then I feel as if I'm just indulging in a but kind of a fantasy. But that's what art is for. That's sure, literature. sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, but all, all literature, I mean, literature that is totally fantasy that, that doesn't in some way speak to something true is not i mean usually not considered good literature anyway yeah, but that, you know? it i don't know that it's all i mean look what if you read a really amazing a romantic asexual love story and then you Megan, had your own a, remember a, when this was asexual a a romantic relationship and found that it was nothing like the the beautiful romantic novel that you read and does that mean you're just going to chuck all the all your asexual a romantic Babies out with the bathwater? No, you're you're smarter than that. I can't believe you can laugh about this because this is I can't I don't I don't want to live in this world. I, I don't want to be here with these people. Look, I can't. I'm just a hopeless aromantic. I could, I could be at any given time. You know, you're just going about your day to day life. You're just but you're getting coffee at a coffee shop. You sit down to, next to somebody. They seem nice. You have a little conversation. They could be one of these people. They could well, you be don't. First of all, you a don't secret do that anymore. I don't know what world Eros. you're living in, but you do not go to the coffee shop and sit well, down and true, have a conversation with somebody. No, no. I wouldn't want to. I would be just no. You horrified open up your, at the you idea. Open up your app. You open up your app and you go and you see if that person is on the app. We should start a commune. I thought you were going to say we should start a dating app. No, like start a commune, a commune. Like a place to let. No, we should live. What do you think? Only I'm people who think like us. It could be what? like a kibbutz. Uh, but, excuse but, me, we're but, already there. I'm already there, honey. Okay, right, right. That's live true. with only people who think with who think like us. 
Maybe we should start you a cult. You and Hugo. Yeah. Okay. You and me. I've always thought that I could be a cult. So wait, who's the cult leader? I yeah, think I, I should I be think the cult we leader. Would, we would. We I have would, the confidence. Uh, no, the... I think you, I think I should be the leader, and you should be like the treasurer and the accountant and like no, all the no, stuff no, you no. do. You you're need, much better you need than that. A kind of insanity, like to to be. You need to be like believe in yourself to a point that is completely absurd and not at all. Oh, that like, is you. That born out that's by that's by true. the real world, and that's yeah, that's me. You're and you right. could be like the woman who like gets other women to join you know, oh i'm like um, i'm like sheila from i'm like what, what's the a wild wild west cult um the one that was out uh yeah there was that, the, it was the indian it. guru and then there was sheila who was there's the, always the a procurer. woman there's always yes, a woman. always the i'm the galane maxwell yes yes there's of, always of the one cult. there's always yes. like a the one who's nice like, and, they, and then, yes exactly. and then there's a and then there's a woman who's like get like procuring the like i guess sex objects um so I yeah. think you would be great in that role. You already have like communities that you're I mean, building. I already have my, what do you, you have a why are you saying that the unspeaking is not a cult? I'm, that's, well, I mean, it is. Now we know. I don't, I, I, no, it's not because I don't have it in me to, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have it in me to be a, a, a terrible cult leader. Terrible. But you're yeah. right. Okay. So I think you would be a bad cult leader. I think I'd be a much better cult leader than you. Yeah, that's have- true. I just want to, if I can be in charge of like the, the real estate and the mm-hmm. the design and everything like that, that's all I care about or ordering, you know, n- just furnishing it, deciding on the art. I think you would be key to like spreading it amongst like the heterodox community, you know, like the, the heterodox, like, okay, you would have the heterodox little, community little- is already a cult, don't you think? Although it's not inf- yet. I mean, it's it's breaking down like any decent self-respecting cult. It's falling apart. So, um. Anyway, yeah. all right. What do we else do we have on the docket? Oh, we need to tell people <laughs> to uh, subscribe to the Patreon. We should have done this before. Yeah. So the Patreon is not in addition to the Substack. It's an alternative to the Substack. If you yeah. don't want to subscribe on Substack, you're not signed up on Substack, um, and you don't listen to this um, uh, podcast on you know you don't use the Substack app or whatever um to access anything else then you might want to do patreon that might be easier for you for for signing up it is a little bit cheaper too it's five dollars a month um as opposed to six dollars a month which is a Substack. but with the Substack, you get a full community so that's the extra perk cult you get full cult. the full cult we should just start a cult i think we should just do it but we, we can't call it a cult like we can't be so blatant about it we have to say it's a movement Oh, that's a lot, that's a lot better. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the Patreon, and they can also they they know what to do. But the Substack is is really good. There's so many ways to be with us. There's so many ways to give us your money. Um, and yeah. we're just going to find more ways. So <laughs> definitely, just, just stick around to find uh, out. Um, yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. Do we have anything else there? They can subscribe on YouTube, right? What about yeah, that? yeah, yeah. You can do that too. And we're going. We are. We might have separate things on the YouTube as well um, that are YouTube specific. So that's a reason to <coughs> become a subscriber on YouTube. Yeah, and they should also rate and review the show. I think this is important to remind people because yeah, we're we really like slipping. Need, like we we're always slipping. forget that. I always forget that on my other show too. Please, five stars and just some kind of praise. Like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to. Don't have to write multiple paragraphs, but you, you can just, just say, say like, this how- is the best show. This is not a cult and it is a show. But it should be. A good show. Yeah. But if it was a cult, I I would would join. join. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last topic. I know uh, we wanted to touch on uh, something that pertains to the uh, Israel Hamas 
war uh, here in the States, people ripping posters down. Now, somebody asked me, and this is germane to what we've been discussing, if more of the poster terror downers are women, that women seem to be doing this. Yeah. And that might be consistent with what we're saying about women kind of like fighting in the social justice space. But I'm not sure because I'm also seeing a lot of videos of men doing it. I'm seeing many women do it. I'm, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, you would think that given that it's kind of an aggressive act, it's usually the kind of thing that's a realm of men, but it doesn't seem to but be. It's not aggressive. I mean, you're just yeah. pulling paper off of something. It's well, not, it doesn't take a lot of hand strength. Yeah. Although I did, I like it when I see the people that they're able to balance a coffee in one hand while pulling the posters down with the other hand. Like they don't even put the coffee down. Yeah. Like that is a flex. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it is. It is. And I, I, I I am impressed to be honest. Yeah. That they can do that. But I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things everybody's telling, everyone seems to be convinced that it's a psyop by the other team. I notice people convinced, like people saying to the other side, like, stop, stop, you know, recording all these people uh, who are ripping down posters and sharing it because this is just making them famous and big on their side. So it's bad. You're like actually helping their cause. Then other people are saying, well, you know, stop ripping off, ripping down these posters because they're obviously a propaganda trap by Israeli, you know, uh, 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 whatever, like propaganda. Uh, right. Net. Like it's, it's supposed to. It's a trap. Our, it's a bait. It's, it's, all, it's, it's lessening our sympathy for the poor Hamas. So it's terrible. Well, like, well I, not just that, <laughs> but that they know you're there. No, we're going to rip them off and then we're going to look like assholes. Yes. So it's a cry bait. bully technique. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, okay. I kind of am of the mind that constantly recording these people and quote, making them famous is not the best strategy. I I can be talked out of this. I really truly do see both arguments, but I tweeted something about this. My feeling is that for some of these people, not all of them, but for a considerable number, they want to be made famous by doing this. Like you're actually, because they're, they're operating in a world where this is only, they're, they're really just signaling to their in group. They don't, care as much like their their goal with this is to do something cool to show their group that they're doing this so mm-hmm. like to to shame them to publicly shame them you have to assume that they're ashamed of what they're doing but they're not they're shameless by yeah. definition yeah so it doesn't really line up hmm. um so I don't know. I mean, I, I can, I, I'm, I'm just sort of floating this as a thought. I'm not saying, I think I, 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 think I could be talked out of this sort of, but I do think it's worth. Okay. Let me try about. it. Let me try to talk mm-hmm. you out of it. So okay. here's go really the, fast, but talk like this, like spread. Like, and I just like yell and scream. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think. Okay. Also, I'm white. So you have a huge disadvantage in this argument regardless. Um. Okay. Well, uh, I think that, um, the case can be made that it is not about the people convincing those people or shaming them at all. It is not, it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with showing the world, the state of anti-Semitism on the left and sort of getting people riled up and like kind of alarmed about this, you know, and I, by, by this, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to impugn any kind of negative thing. I'm just, just trying to discuss yeah. this like objectively as yeah. this is the, the kind of, purpose i think it is serving whether or not that's a good purpose is uh not something i want to comment on at the moment but uh i i think that 
that might be part of it, you know, that that it is worth showing that there are people who are so cruel that they will rip down these posters of like a, you know, a baby that's, you know, no, lost or whatever. Like it, it is a horrible thing and it shows how horrible they are that they're willing to do it for maybe for points, maybe for whatever. But the it, it, why they're doing it is maybe like why they're ultimately doing it is less relevant than the fact that they are doing it and that it can be used to say this is how little they care about what is going on to um you know with innocent mm-hmm. civilians who are who happen to be jews mm-hmm. um so i think that that's in in that sense showcasing it is pretty effective propaganda you know uh and i think that i i kind of agree with some of the leftists who have been feeling as if it's kind of a trap and i don't mean mm-hmm. by this i don't i don't think that it is um, an unfair thing to do, you know. I think you know. I cannot go two steps without, you know. I mean, I I see any, anywhere I go online, I see pictures of dead Gazan children, you know, like of people coming out of rubble. I, I see this constantly. It is unfair to say that that isn't propaganda. But what the you know what what people who are doing uh, especially those, when people they're who are actually putting up those posters from are Syria but yes, right right go on. you I mean it, either it is never fair or it is fair you know it, either it is just like uh, uh, a, a a tactic that is very cynical and has no you know uh, basis in in proper discourse and we should just not be doing it or it is sh- highlighting a truth. That is worth highlighting, you know, that here's here's something that exists. Here are some children yeah. who are who, who have been harmed. If Gazans can do it, you know, if, if you can do it from the Palestinian side and you can get you, you can get featured in The New York Times, I think you can do it on this side as well. Having said that, I think for for both sides, these images are really important um, in terms of moving public opinion. Uh, and it, yes. I mean, I just, why would why all, would someone print out a poster and put it up in Brooklyn? Like, why does it's all matter, right? muddled up? Well, uh, why would they? But I mean, I guess somebody would say, well, these aren't you know the the images that we're seeing out of Gaza are news I- images. Like those are coming; those are on the news. They are not on posters. Right? Like, they're so, not right, exactly. So right. it's a different right. But yeah, my point is, I think they're both different kinds of propaganda. Yeah, no, they're you know, emotionally. Yeah, I mean, they're t- they're pulling at us. Um, they are designed. They're to designed to tug at, at emotions us emotionally. I mean, the posters. I mean, like, I, what, what is the, the legitimate purpose of doing it? You know, like well, when I that's the thing. I mean, I don't. I under. I feel like I think in the beginning it was you know like a, a, a completely natural expression of despair and anger and um wanting people to know what was going on but i i I, some some of these videos again not all a few of them i have looked at and i have honestly had to ask myself if the whole thing is staged like the person is ripping this stuff down the person with the camera is talking to them they both sound robotic like sometimes the person with the camera is like asking the exact same questions with the exact same phrasing that somebody else with the camera did in a mm-hmm. different video. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the same person. Yeah. Maybe they're just going around looking for people ripping posters down. I think that like everybody feels that they have something to gain 
from making these videos. If if your value system is such that nothing matters but attention. I mean, these videos are on TikTok and it's almost like there's a competition going on between them. They are competing. The the, the feedback loop is eating itself, Mm -hmm. literally. Um, So I I do, I feel like there's different categories. It's like, there's the people ripping down the posters who, I mean, some of them are clearly Muslim and they're like, you know, they are talking about it in political terms. Some of them are super obnoxious, like college students. The one that got highlighted the other day, I don't even want to say her name, but apparently she's a recent Sarah Lawrence college graduate (laughs) women, no longer just a women's college, but you know, in Berkeley, a women's college. So this, yeah, this uh, young woman, recent Sarah Lawrence graduate, she's pulling the posters down. She's with some guy. I don't know if he's her boyfriend or what. And he's just like, you know, standing there smoking a cigarette in this very like, you know, hipster boyfriend of Sarah Lawrence graduate way. Maybe he's also a Sarah Lawrence graduate. And, you know, she's saying the same things that a lot of them do. Fuck you. Fuck Israel. And she goes like this. That almost feels scripted to me at this point. The number of the young white uh, social justice types who are going, fuck you, fuck Israel, m- is making me think that there's a performative aspect yeah. to this. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be. And I think that's one of the reasons that the right thing to do in this time is to withhold judgment or hold your judgments very lightly. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, because there's so much that we don't know, it, it, we are susceptible to propaganda at this point. And, you know, it, it's a complicated situation. So I, I think there was a lot of propaganda when it came to Ukraine. You know, I just, I think it, 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 there, there were, there was, there were lots of things where I felt lots of times, uh, with the, the, especially the beginning of the, um, the war of Russian aggression, um, that, uh, they, it, it felt to me as if I was being, it, there was a manufactured uh, consent kind of a thing going on. Like there was something that they were trying to make me feel a certain way about Ukraine. They were trying to make me supportive of this war. And look, I am supportive of the war. I, I actually am. Um, I don't talk too much about it because I think that I, it's an active war. I don't know exactly what's going on. My opinion is less relevant right now um and it, it you know irrelevant right now it really should be irrelevant right now um at at the same time i'm not naive i know that of course there's propaganda happening on both sides there might be way worse propaganda happening on one side but that doesn't mean that the, the ukrainian end isn't engaging in it and that doesn't mean that their ultimate cause is just or unjust. So I think that we should be clear eyed about the reality on the ground, which is to say that there's a lot of propaganda because you have a lot of true believers on both sides who think that anything, anything done in the service of this cause is a just thing. Yeah. If maybe if we were, if we were in their world, if we were in their shoes, we would feel the same way. If we had watched all the same movies that they had watched, we would feel the same way. Um, so I don't even judge them too harshly, but I know for a fact that that is definitely the case on both sides. We're going to see a lot of propaganda and we should not react, um, you know, or, or overreact, I suppose, 
uh, to some of these events that are captured on like, you know, five seconds of, of yeah, like, I'm, phone I'm getting a little tired of it. I mean, anybody who f- actually reported out the story with the Covington Catholic kids should know that right, w- right. A snapshot in time doesn't tell right. the whole story. Now, if it somebody doesn't. is tearing down a poster and saying, fuck you, fuck Israel, I think it's pretty clear what's going on. <laughs> we don't need a lot more context. Right. Um, but it's, as you said, like it could just be, you know, I mean, and that has happened, like, especially in this conflict that has happened. Yeah. I've, um, you know, people will, will, will talk about like Pally Wood or, or whatever, like these fake kind of images that are, that are scripted scenes that were coming out of what was supposedly Palestine. Um, and, and who knows whether yeah. that's something that's real and something that's happening. It's entirely possible. Um, and we should just hold our we should just hold our feelings um, when it comes to these issues a little bit lightly. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually wrote a Substack about this. Um, the uh, the conceit was uh, the kafia, you know, the the Palestinian uh, scarf that it was it was very fashionable when I was a college student. And um, unfortunately, I, I'm sorry to say that I purchased one myself and wore it as a fashionable garment, as did many other people. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think that it's just a lot of these people are participating in these demonstrations almost as an expression of style. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't see it that way. And mm-hmm. obviously that's not the whole story, but, um, you know, there was that, speaking of the kafia, I mean, there was the, the footage that came out of that high school in San Francisco, Balboa High School, with the kids, you know, running through the halls, chanting from the river to the sea. And it, it looked like a pep rally. I mean, it really did look like if this was Texas high school, it would like Friday night lights, like it was mm-hmm. like a, like a, you know, mm-hmm. f- football rally. It had that mm-hmm. kind of spirit. And, mm-hmm. you know, but the kids are, this, this, especially this one young woman in the front, she has a kafia and she's got her phone in one hand and she's got this thing over her head and she's like sort of playing with it. And she's got this like tight red shirt on and she's like a very beautiful young woman. Um, and she just looks ridiculous. Like it's cringe. Like she is, she is beautiful and ridiculous, uh, which means that she is a young person. And, you know, this footage went viral and apparently um, the, the administrators were doxxed, whatever that means anymore. Uh, and it, there were, you know, some very unpleasant repercussions for these kids. And it did look incredibly yeah. irritating, yeah. but also yeah. who knows what the reality was. And in fact, a Jewish student from that school posted a long thread saying that's not the whole story. And nobody, you know, these kids are able to separate. It's never the whole story, right? Like, this is from, never the story. From pro-Palestinian, you know, Palestinian freedom, whatever. Anyway, so I think we should just be mindful of that. Just be cautious. That. that doesn't mean there isn't a reality, right? Like, yeah. that doesn't mean that two events like this don't happen. It's just that we have a limited ability to know what is, or, like, to, to sift. That's yeah. all. And and yeah. I think we should take that, we should really take that lesson and and feel, like, because it is the case that you can overreact to something that turns out to be false. Like, the hospital like Israeli strike on a hospital thing. I mean, that's what was that? You know, that was many people, unfortunately in the mainstream media in the New York times, the New York times who wanted this to be true. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. wanted Israel to have done something horrendous so they could be like gleefully say, Oh no. I mean, they're just, they're playing right into the hands of Hamas. I mean, this is what the Gazan health ministry is in all about it was incredible but that's what it was there were partisans who could just couldn't wait for their 
bias to be confirmed. And I think we should all recognize that we have biases and we have tribes that we are loyal to. And if we really are loyal to our cause, then we would not fall for, you know, we would not have egg on our faces the way the New York Times does. Because for sure, I have lost... I I remember this and this is going to be one one of my you know my catalog of things like the Covington High School thing like that I that I bring up as this is why I don't trust the New York Times this is why I don't trust journalists this is why I don't trust you know mainstream media I have a list of things that happen that pique me and and upset me and outrage me and I I remember the hypocrisies I remember the lack of professionalism and of good judgment and it makes me feel a certain way about those institutions and like the voice that is speaking. So if you care about your cause, hold on a minute, you know, don't rush to confirm everything that you, that you feel in your heart is true. And now here it is evidence that this is true. (laughs) Like, wait a minute. It's, Um, it it is a very, very tough thing to do because it's a very, very emotional subject for a lot of people. And I have I've struggled very, very hard not to opine on it endlessly. I've been holding myself back and trying not you to have? leave. Are you doing great? Oh, this job. is me this is me holding back. Gen- genuinely, because I wanna I just I I can't I think it's so it like everyone, I'm I'm being what driven you, insane about it. What are you thinking constantly. when you make these tweets that you know is going to get a rise out of people? Like, are you? Okay, do you actually so sit there? Have we're we're going to wrap up, but I want to know just before we go. Like, what are you actually thinking? Like, are you like oh, I'm really bored? I need to like I I, I need a, a a dopamine hit, so I'm going to tweet something and sit back and. Well, not it wouldn't be a dopamine hit because what I'm going to get as often an is, adrenaline. Okay, you, you need know, an adrenaline an adren- rush. I don't know. It doesn't really write, make it doesn't do anything anymore. I guess I'm just like um <laughs> because you're like a, you like just a, keep like having to take vet. more. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like but no, you're... but I, I I've just been through it and it just means nothing to me now. But why um, are you doing it? Why do you do it? If I feel like something's true, then I will then I I feel very deeply compelled to say it. You know, I it feels true to me. I'm I'm browsing Twitter and I'm seeing something and it feels wrong to me. Maybe there's a uh, an approach that feels very annoying. Like I, I, one of the things that I got, like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know whether you would say this is a successful t- tweet because a lot of people hated on me for it. And then a lot of people retweeted it um, was, uh, you know, Pakistan has been doing some horrible things to Afghani refugees. I don't want to get into it, but it is pushing them out back uh, into Afghanistan. So it's displacing them. Some of these people who've been in Pakistan for decades, um, like, like, 30 years long kind of thing. Um, and it's reported that there's, you know, that there's over a million of uh, uh, people that are being forced to pack up. Um, it's terrible. It's a, a terrible thing. And somebody tweeted about, about it and said, well, look, n- no one's about to, there was no, there are not going to be any marches or protests or whatever about, about this happening. Um, and I shared, uh, you know, I quote tweeted that and I talked about, uh, the fact that there's there was a genocide that Pakistan committed against Bangladesh in the 1970s. It was you must have paid for horrific. Twitter blue check because it's a very long tweet. Terrific. It was was it no because it, it still hides it even if you have the blue check. No, I know. I'm it. saying what you're describing. But I definitely ha- did. I know how many tweets was did the, how many characters was was this point that you're making? Go I, on. I don't. Well, it was a, it was it was a thread. But the point yeah. the the point was just that. E- 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 uh, um, you know, there was a, a literal, actual, not fake, not slow motion genocide, whatever, like all these f- weird ways to say 
not genocide, but kind of, we still want you to feel like it's a genocide, but you know, an actual genocide happened in the seventies. Nobody knows about it. Like nobody anywhere, you know, much less Pakistan, even in India, they want to, they want reasons to hate Pakistan. It's not that well known, even though India participated in that war and was ultimately the reason that, uh, that the genocide ended. Um, it is incredible to me that, you know, to see people crying so many tears, you know, crocodile tears over what is happening in like this specific war that falls perfectly in line with their narrative about the universe and all the other, all the other, you know, seas of human misery, you know, all the other atrocities that have happened today or, you know, I mean, a hundred years. It could have happened at any time. The point is, does it conform to my mer- narrative or does it not? That's the kind of human misery that matters. That's yeah. the kind of human misery that is going to rile me up and then I'm going to yell about it endlessly, make movies, put on, you know, get on TikTok and... and uh, I, I don't, don't think people do, realize, I mean, human misery is everywhere. 90% of human civilization has been absolutely monstrous, which is another reason that it's a really a miracle, the society we live in yeah, today. Yeah. I mean, but here. specifically, it, it bothers me that there's so much, there's so many South Asian, like diasporian, I don't know how, how you would, member of the diaspora, like, you know, member of the, uh, Pakistani diaspora. I see them because I follow them, like, because I'm Pakistani and I follow those people. And they're, you know, weeping constantly about Palestine. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know what? I don't believe them. I don't believe that they are crusaders for justice. I don't think they care about justice. Pakistan is a, like, a, a human rights abuser on a million different levels. All the time, people are being, you know, tried for like blasphemy, which turns out to be not blasphemy. Some somebody misinterpreted something that's happened, and now some you know poor kid gets lynched. Oh, it, it horrible things are happening there constantly. Horrible human rights abuses happen there. Miscarriages of justice. Do you see these people, these you know second gen Pakistani Americans, crying about it? Do you do they even know that it's happening? No, of course not. They don't know. You know they don't know about it at all. But they will recite from memory what's going on, you know, from their side's perspective in the Israel-Palestine war. And I I think it's just, I think everyone does this to some degree. You know, everyone does is they pay attention to the things that benefit them to pay attention to, you know, it falls in line. Yeah, with well, the way they also, the world. people crave affiliation. They want to belong to the group. If that's what the group is saying, they want to be, they want to be part of a club. I just think yeah. that that's a huge part of it. So are you saying that we should not, um, yeah, the, this I, podcast people, to <laughs> Pakistan and do like a live event? Yeah, let's, um, definitely not do that. Maybe put a pin in it. How about, okay. Let's revisit it. Five years, okay. ten years. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, I mean, I think that's, we'll a both good, have to convert to Islam. Goal. I'll have to revert to Islam and you'll have to convert to Islam <laughs> to and then we'll be safe. Revert. That's fine. Yeah. I that's have the word. My, do you know I that? I have my kafia. Do you know revert? that? Revert? Well, actually, everyone is, everyone is a revert. They, 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 um, the, the real, everyone in, in Islamic, like, thought i suppose everyone was once a muslim like everyone's born a muslim really even me oh yeah and so you didn't when if you converted to islam you wouldn't really convert you would revert back to your true faith so i see so you would be can you be full revert full revert yeah as opposed to just revert you know yeah yeah you you never want to go full revert yeah you want to go 
little little Partial. touch little touch revert little just a tad little, revert yeah little sure just just a, a little you know just a splash a splash of revert anyway i think we nail that real in, on this podcast we're constantly reverted like we this just is the most bit. reverted podcast in all of podcasting yeah all right good all job. right everyone all right megan thanks take care bye everyone yeah.